Blog Talk Radio. Everybody. Welcome to another Wednesday night show, Sports Tonight Show. Weather down here in Tampa and also in the Midwest is starting to get chilly down here now. That means for one thing, football. I'd like to welcome our legends and start it off with Mr. Roger Hemmer, also down at Jersey Shore, Mr. Don Henderson, 
right here in Tampa, Mr. Roy Cummings and Spinning the Dials. And he does every every week. Week he does is a great job. Is Mr. Frank Carroll, gentlemen. Good evening. How's everybody doing this evening? Everybody's doing fine. Terrific. Doing great, Tommy. Pardon? Doing great, Tommy. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, Roy, and this is this is the best time of the year for me. It is, you know, like everything baseball can put on hold, but you know, what a good game by the what Tampa Bay Lightning the other night, eight to one. Now, and a lot of people are probably thinking after last year's choking year by the Lightning. You know, I said before, Roy and everybody, this this team is on a mission. When he left for, when he left to go, play in the bubble, and and, and everybody thought it was that this is another trip up for Brendan. These guys are taking the whole thing, and play about Brendan point ten points. He could be the he could be looking at a Conn Smythe Trophy for being the MVP of the playoffs. Roy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would. I'll tell you, he's got to be. Uh, you know, he's right at the top of the list right now um, among the candidates. Shea uh, I, I, Theodore, I think for for Vegas is going to be in that uh, conversation. Um, Hudobin, the goaltender for uh, Dallas, would be in there. But uh, mm-hmm. Tampa's best representative is clearly uh, Braden Point. Uh, he has, you know, he has really come come into his own here in this playoff series. You know, he got, yes. he got rubbed out a little bit last year against uh, Columbus. Uh, Columbus understood how to neutralize him and Kucherov, you know, put the body mm-hmm. on him a little bit. Um, no one has quite figured out how to do that uh, or, or has been able to do it. Maybe a better explanation because um, Brayton Point's been exceptional mm-hmm. and the Lightning have, um, they have taken teams that have looked very good. Uh, Boston, you know, being one, Columbus, for that matter, uh, yes. made them look bad, and they made Boston look bad. And in their first game against the Islanders, a team that, you know, really I think opened up a lot of eyes in the uh, the first couple rounds of the playoffs, uh, they made the Islanders look bad. And um, look, I think Barry Trotz is the best coach in the NHL, um, but I also think he's got one of his greatest uh, challenges ahead of him, trying to rally his team after that. Uh, very devastating loss for the Islanders. Um, you know, let's face it, uh, the Islanders, you could say that, as John Cooper did, uh, the Lightning's coach, that uh, maybe this is a one-off, that, you know, the, uh, the Islanders coming off uh, having just played a game seven, very tough series against uh, Philadelphia, uh, have to travel the next day, then play the next day after that. Um, you know, so maybe a little bit uh, worn out. Uh, physically, and he expects them to bounce back, and I, you know, I would expect the same thing. But that's mm-hmm. a, that's such a tough loss, the way they lost, that uh, it's going to be a real challenge for the Islanders to come back. So we'll see where it goes from here. But um, yeah, no doubt, uh, the Island, the Lightning are uh, they're showing exactly what everybody thought. They're proving to be what everybody thought they were uh, at the beginning of the season, which is a Stanley Cup final contender, and uh, they look every bit that part. And um, I'll be surprised. Uh, I'll be a little bit surprised at this point if they don't get there. I, 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 the way it's going now, I could see them finishing off this series pretty easily, and then sitting mm-hmm. around waiting for Dallas and uh, Las Vegas to figure things out because it uh, looks like they're going to go six, seven games in Dallas uh, between those two teams, between Dallas and, and Vegas. But Tampa could wrap this one up pretty quickly if they uh, have another game like that tonight because I would think that would absolutely devastate the Islanders. I could see the Islanders winning a game. But at this point, I don't know that the Islanders have it in them to uh, 
to take control of the series. So, uh, and yeah, Braden Point's been clearly the, the star of the Lightning for sure. Well, we'll see at uh, 8 o'clock tonight. We'll see how it goes as they kick it back into. But I agree with a couple of things you said there, Roy. Number one, uh, in fact, two points. I asked Tommy before we went on the air uh, whether the Lightning had ever scored eight eight goals in a playoff game, and he, and he, was not, not, he, he wasn't aware if they had. And number two, uh, your point was well taken, I think. Uh, they had First of all, they had to play their way in. And then they had to go through two rounds. And in the two rounds, they had three games that went overtime and uh, to get to the seven and then to get into this round. And as you indicated, I don't think most people realize they had to fly up there uh, mm-hmm. and then play. But Torch, I watched him yesterday at length on the press conference. And, boy, he didn't kick any uh, – he didn't make any excuses. And uh, so it's going to be very interesting to me uh, to see how this thing goes. I think if the Islanders win tonight, I think it'll be a long series. I think if the, if the uh, Lightning are as good as they were in game one and uh, can light the board up a little bit, I think it's going to be a short series. Yeah, I think you're right, Don. Uh, I agree, with especially, yeah, if the Islanders can figure out a way to win tonight, uh, yeah, it, I think it's going to be a, a long series. I, I think it will for sure. Um, but if they lose, and, and it almost doesn't matter how they lose, unless they lose, you know, they play a real good game and just happen to lose three to two on a, you know, a power right. play goal in the third period or something. But, you know, let's say that they're, you know, if they get blown out again or embarrassed again, the way they were uh, in game one, or if they, if they go to overtime again somehow, and it's a, you know, it's a two, one game and they somehow, you know, end up losing it uh, late, you know, that could devastate them again. And, and I think that would be the end. So, uh, it's going to be hard for them to come back from any kind of a loss. But, yeah, if they can rally and win tonight, and I think they're capable, um, but this is a real test of it, for sure. This, this is a test of their mettle. Uh, what do they have inside? This is, this is where the, uh, the young Islanders, and let's say that is a very young team, unlike the Lightning, which went out and got a whole bunch of guys who've kind of been through this before, uh, who've been through the wars, maybe not necessarily won cups, but they've been through the wars. They know how to, how to play in, in playoffs caliber hockey uh the islanders got a bunch of young kids lee barzal brock nelson who, who haven't really done this before so this is a real test more not of their skill and ability but of their mental capacity and how how mentally tough they are and you know how resilient they truly are in a in, in a tough run because that's what they're in you, as you pointed out and very well done uh you know, three overtime games. And let's face it, the Flyers were a tough opponent. That was a tough, physical, hard, hard-played mm-hmm. series. Uh, so it's, it's, the Islanders have are really uh, – the tank may be dry for them. We'll find out tonight just how dry. Uh, well, I'll thing. tell you one thing. I, I was uh, totally impressed with the Lightning in that game. I mean, they just came at them, and uh, they were able to do things that the Flyers were not able to do against the uh, – Islanders, and, and I mean, I, it was just a fantastic uh, exhibition by the uh, the Lightning. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, you know, the Flyers were were the Flyers. The problem there was they're just at the worst possible time. Their best players suddenly just went into a collective slump, uh, and right. by the time they they started to come out of it, it was almost it was too late. And you too know, late. then yeah. you know, you, yeah, you're in game six and seven and you know, one bad bounce goes against you, which is what happened, uh, and all of a sudden you're down 3-2, and, 
uh, you've lost the game, and now you got to kind of rally again, another bad bounce, and you're out of the series. So, uh, But you're right. But Tampa, I mean, let's face it, the weapons go through through the lineup. You know, their third line carried them against uh, Columbus. Now the first line's carrying them again here. The first line ca- kind of carried them against uh, uh, carried them against Boston, and now the defense carries them in Game One against the Islanders. So they, they and you know they really haven't even had to lean yet too much on on their goaltender Vasilevsky. I mean they've leaned on their 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 third line that that grinding line. They've leaned on their first line with the scores and all the skill. Now they've leaned on the defense and gotten it from them. It's like. If you're a coach, you're saying, okay, where's the weak spot? Well, that's just it. There isn't one. Um, again, I think the only way to beat the Lightning, you've got to find a way to rub out Kucherov and, uh, and, and Tyler Johnson, who's been kind of invisible anyway, but the Braden Point. With Braden Point, it's kind of like, you know, there's that one split second, guys, when a player is in kind of that, that shooting range where he's got that one split second to get a good shot off and possibly get a goal. If you don't take that opportunity at that split second, you're not going to score. It's the same with Braden Point. There's mm-hmm. going to be a very minimal – there's going to be a one point, one spot when you're defending him where you can put him on his rear end. If you don't take advantage of that opportunity, that one split second where you're even with him and you might have the leverage, he's going to beat you, and he could beat you by putting the puck in the net. So that's something the, uh, the Islanders have to figure out. Nobody else has figured it out yet, so if they don't figure it out, they shouldn't feel bad, but – uh, th- this guy can play hockey at a level that a uh, few others can. Roy, Absolutely. I said last week I don't follow the Western divisions or Western conferences as much as you do. So, but I did spend a lot of time watching the game, the Knights at Dallas, both games, as a matter of fact. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I think they're two pretty darn evenly balanced teams. I think, I think that one's might go seven games. I, I don't know. They're great goaltending. They had. Uh, a lot of contact, a lot of movement of the puck, a lot of, a lot of very good things in that game last night. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, look, I think I, I think I said it before. I think Vegas is the best team in the league. Um, the Lightning are the best team in the East. There's no question about that. But I, I think Vegas is the is the best team overall. Um, they, they may prove me wrong if we end up seeing a, a series against them, and it's very possible we will. But Dallas has proven that um, you know they, they've got uh, they got pretty deep scoring. Uh, goaltending is actually pretty deep uh, because when Brian Bishop uh, uh, was hurt, uh, Ben Bishop rather was hurt. Um, they bring in Kadobin and, and he's really carried him up until you know last night when things got a little ugly for him. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, Dallas is is really a, a solid team. Both teams very physical. And right. um, you know they've they've got uh, they've got scores throughout on both teams that uh, kind of surprise you. Again, mm-hmm. um, you know with Vegas, they've got some defensemen that you really got to watch for. You know, Shea Theodore is one. Alec Martinez. That that pairing is as good a pairing as you're going to find in the NHL. And uh, you, you've got both the defense and and really tremendous offense there. Uh, they got some tough goal scorers, some good uh, faceoff men uh, like. Uh, 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 Carl uh, Wilson. So they've got they've got all the pieces on both teams. Uh, they're they're going to play some uh, some good hockey there. Hey Roy, this is a footnote against them with the Dallas Stars, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know the Dallas Stars. What was that, are, Tommy? Uh, it's another footnote about the Dallas Stars. I'm pulling for those guys to win because Ben Bishop's a friend of mine, 
Jeff Reese's well golfing buddy, remember old golfing buddy with Jeff, and then in the interim coach Rick Bowen. So it'll be a little bit well, tough. I'll, I'll be like a t- yeah, I'm I'm kind of pulling for him too, Tommy. Uh, in, in part because you know, look, being the old reporter that I am, that I am, always always want the best story. Well, to me, um, yeah, obviously the best story is the two best teams, and I think that would be Tampa and Vegas. But there's some right. certainly some intrigue involved if you suddenly get mm-hmm. a, a Dallas Tampa Bay series because not only do you have Ben <laughs> Bishop uh, possibly coming back uh, if he can get healthy and uh, find his groove again. But you, if you got Ben Bishop in goal against Vasilevsky, you got Vasilevsky, the guy who replaced Ben Bishop. And then you've right. got mm-hmm. something very interesting going on with the two head coaches because Rick Bonus just a year ago was an assistant coach here in Tampa. And right. the details behind his uh, dismissal uh, have never really been uh, been made public. And not quite sure that there was uh, uh, an agreement between the parties there that that was the best thing to do. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, Rick Bonus ended up out there on his own and uh, looking for work. <laughs> and uh, at a time when uh, a lot of people were wondering what that was about here in Tampa, and uh, now now here he is coaching the the, the stars. So <laughs> if you're looking for a little, for a little drama and a little intrigue, um, that, that that it could be right there for sure. Hey, Roy, another question. This is funny. Another Dallas Star trivia question. Dallas Dallas has been through how many cities in their history? California Golden Seals, Cleveland Barons, the Minnesota North Stars, and then the Dallas Stars. So he, so four of those teams, the cities, when Dallas won the first, last one the cup, had a piece of that, that piece of that cup right there. That's a crazy nice question. If they, uh, <laughs> if they wanted, they could somehow honor them all. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's an it's an it's an interesting team. It's a it's a very good team. It's a well balanced mm-hmm. team. Um, and you know uh, they've got a guy on their team there, uh, Tyler Sagan, who's like fifth in the league in shots, uh, mm-hmm. but about 17th in goals scored. Uh, so, or more like 35th in goals scored, or something like that. So, uh, they're an interesting team. They could they could really uh, pour it on offensively uh, if everybody suddenly gets hot. So, uh, a team to watch. And that's you know, let's face it, that's uh, that's what Vegas has been trying to to avoid is uh, that team suddenly catching fire. And uh, if you can hold uh, Dallas to one or two goals like they've done the first couple of games here, uh, you're doing pretty good. And that's, again, that's why I think mm-hmm. uh, Vegas is about as, as good as – really as good a team as there is in the league. Well, that's, Roger that's and uh, and Roy, uh, we got a big week coming up football-wise and uh, <laughs> really a big week. First opportunity to see Mr. Brady and uh, uh, a couple of things. One, the line is really – really surprised me it switched off a little bit it was uh it's moved up uh tampa bay is getting more good press uh, they think they're getting it off for the best start uh, in the early part of the season of the national football league and uh so first of all your comments on how the how the training camp is going roy and and more importantly uh, how do you see them in this first game i'm a little surprised the um uh, training camp has gone well. Uh, uh, Bruce Arians very happy with what he's uh, what he's seen, um, but there's a bit of an issue here. Uh, Mike Evans didn't practice today. Uh, he's got a hamstring uh, strain. So uh, you know, you guys know about hamstrings. Uh, they are mm-hmm. tough to, to heal quickly. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Already, I think they're saying that's going to be a game time decision. Um, so we'll see how that goes. You know, if you if you're smart, if you're the Buccaneers, you probably, you know, err on the side of caution and say, okay, look, we're pretty deep at the receiver position as it is. 
Uh, we don't want this guy to go out there, play hard and open, on opening day, and uh, tear that hamstring for good and be done for the season. So the Bucks may end up uh, making their Tom Brady debut without their best weapon, which is clearly Mike Evans. Um, that would uh, that would certainly uh, make it an interesting uh, matchup. Um, but other than that, um, you know, training camp has gone well. So uh, the Bucks are uh, excited. I think they feel like they're ready to go. Um, the Bucks against the best team in the uh, NFC South by far, I think, anyway. Um, that's a great matchup, and uh, they'll get that primetime slot so or that prime slot in the afternoon. So uh, it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, should be good. Uh, anxious to see how Tom Brady looks uh, outside of a, uh, a Patriots uniform. Uh, Roger, what do you think? Uh, and, and tell us, uh, give us a, an update on the Falcons and where they stand and what's, uh, what's happening with them. Well, I'll tell you, it's not only, uh, you know, when you're talking about injuries, Roy, um, the, uh, I'll go with the Eagles first. They have a cadre of players uh, that uh, mm-hmm. are probably out for the first game. And uh, they were talking a lot about it today. Washington, what they lack on offense, they have plenty of on defense. Wow. And the defensive line are all number one picks which is very interesting. And, uh, of course, Ron Rivera is the coach, so that's what the Eagles have to look forward to uh, on Sunday. Um, But I was just looking at the um, uh, Falcons. Um, Let me see. Uh, You may have uh, gotten it. Yeah, here's the injury report for the Falcons. Um, The full uh, participation today was uh, Dante Fowler uh, and um, the – uh, Matt Matt uh, Hennessy, the center, limited participation. Russell Gage, Marion Davidson, and uh, d- did not practice. Kendall Shelfield and also Charles Harris. And as we talked about for a, a couple of minutes last week, Roy, you had a good point about the teams coming uh, coming into the season with extra quarterbacks. And um, what's interesting is um, the Falcons. Uh, did sign the uh, uh, that fellow last week I mentioned, former Eagle, and he is uh, now in the practice squad. This is the one, I don't know whether you heard about it or not, the Eagles have signed Josh McCown. However, oh, no. <laughs> he, he will yeah. not be in Philadelphia practicing. He will be attending all the meetings on Zoom. And then if he is needed, that's when he'll come to Philadelphia. Yeah, he's on the practice squad. Well, look, the Bucks oh, went out and got Josh Rosen. Uh, as I said last week, uh, I could see it coming. Uh, everybody is it's, – it's what they call COVID insurance. Uh, everybody's right. making sure they got somebody uh, in their camp who, uh, you know, has a, has a future uh, somewhere, has played in the league a little bit, um, you know, someone who can learn a, a system quickly. Uh, I think the Bucks with Josh Rosen are looking a little bit further down the road. Um, I think they're looking beyond this year with that pick. I think they're they're trying to make sure they've got a body there at the position. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with picking up a former number one draft pick if you like them out of the draft anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, everybody's kind of got that. And Josh McCown, look, uh, that guy, I don't know. You know, the, he was here for a couple of years in Tampa. He's as great a guy as you're going to find, as studious a quarterback as you're going to find. It's just a darn shame that – you know, on a scale of one to ten, his his talent level is probably about a seven. And if wow. he could just be an eight, uh, he, you know, he he would have been a great quarterback in this league. But 
he is going to go down in history as one of the most resilient and uh, capable players the league's ever seen because uh, he's, he's as good a backup as you're going to find anywhere. He's so good in the room with the other quarterbacks. He's like an extra coach on the field or on the sideline. He's just a great guy to have. And I think the Eagles are smart to, to have picked him up. Uh, it's why teams keep – there's a reason teams keep going out and getting, giving Josh McCown a job. And uh, the Eagles are going to find out why that is. They already know why it is, and that's why they've got him. So that's an interesting pickup. But, um, yeah, we'll start to see how things go. Uh, Don, what do you think about the Eagles and uh, and their opener? Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Eagles, to be honest with you, because I, uh, as, I, as I follow the Eagles in the paper, I have not seen any of their training camp. I guess Roger maybe has seen a little bit more. Than I <laughs> no, but I haven't I have a, seen a, it a broader, <laughs> I have a broader question, and that is, uh, and I must admit that it's my own fault. Uh, how did the Rams get down to the uh, – I mean, they were so far over the cap. What did they do today to uh, to level themselves off? Because they had to be down under the cap right this afternoon by four thirty, five o'clock. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know the details there, but – you know, my guess is that there were probably a lot of restructures. Uh, did they release anybody? Um, I, a couple of guys go on IR, possibly. I, I again, I apologize I because know. I bring the question up thinking maybe so. I did not follow. But I, was, I was doing things this afternoon where I couldn't. Uh, I didn't have time before we went on the air, uh, so I guess just have to wait till tomorrow. But I, I know they were way over the cap. I know that. I don't know what they finally wound up doing. There was probably a probably a combination of some releases and some guys placed on uh, injured lists that uh, won't count for now and uh, things like that. There's there's ways to get there. Um, teams always figure it out, but uh, you know. Going back to your Broncos question, Roy, about going back to your question about the Eagles, uh, you know, they're the one team within the in the division the conference that has the same coach back and the same you know assistant coaches and operation under. And I think that's always a decided advantage myself. Dallas, uh, you know, is going to be probably the, the favorite. But uh, I, th- I think right now the Eagles have a, a very good shot with the coaching staff they have. And as Roger just uh, indicated, we'll, we'll have to see how the injury But I didn't hear that report today, Roger, that how many people out of the offense were out of business. Yeah, well, there's several, and just to wrap up, because uh, we got Derek Gunn uh, coming on, and boy, if anybody can give us uh, Eagle information, it's Derek Gunn. But right. um, I will say that this, Roy, they, uh, you're right about Josh McCown, and I think what they did was he's also going to be like a player coach, okay? Where because he did so uh, so much with uh, Wentz last year, you know, when he was the backup, and uh, Wentz has a lot of respect for him. So I think that that's what, uh, uh, you know, it was a good addition. It really was. And I just tried to find out information about the Rams, but I couldn't get anything that quick. So, um, but anyway, uh, the Roy, you're welcome to stay on uh, for as long as you can. Uh, I know you got dinner and everything, but uh, we're bringing, uh, we appreciate everything and ha- have a great mm-hmm. week. It'll be tomorrow night's the opening of the NFL season. And uh, our good friend Derek Gunn is with us, uh, who was with NBC Sports Philly. Before that, Comcast Sportsnet. He's been all over the country, covered the Chargers. He's originally from the Green Bay area. And, Derek, welcome to Sports Tonight with Tommy G. (laughs) How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on tonight. Hey, listen, we're all doing great. 
And now we're doing better with you here, Derek. So, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate yeah. it. Well, you can answer Roy's question you. better better than Roger or I can answer it because you follow it every day. How do you assess uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles going into game number one? Well, I, I was listening to what uh, a little bit of what you guys were saying in terms of who might have the advantage coming out of the gate. And, and I have to agree. I think coming out of the gate, the Eagles would have the advantage right now. They're the only team in the division with the same coaching staff and, and for the most right. part, the same core group of players. You look at their offensive line, even now that they've moved Jason Peters back to tackle from tackle to tackle, you know, five guys that know the system, quarterback that knows the system, running backs, wide receivers. They're integrating some young wide receivers and, uh, you know, Quez Watkins, who's injured right now, and, of course, uh, Jalen Rager, who's also injured right now. Uh, but you have a group of wide receivers, a core group of guys who played with Carson last year. And you look on the defensive side, uh, they added, obviously, Darius Slay, which will be a tremendous help in terms of taking away a third of the field, which allows the coverage to roll over to the other side. The biggest, the biggest question mark for this Eagles team is the linebacking situation. You have a, a bunch of role players but no definitive thumper uh, in the linebacking core. Uh, defensively up front, they're going to do exactly what they've done the last several years. They're going to have their NASCAR package. They love to rotate guys in and out to keep them fresh in the fourth quarter. So I say hitting the ground running right now. The Eagles have a distinct advantage over the other teams in their division because of the stability they've already had within the coaching structure. Roger? Yeah, well, the, you know, Derek, uh, let's talk about Jason Peters for a second. He, he finally agreed. He went to uh, uh, the coach and, t- and told him he would play left tackle. Do you think that uh, hurt his prestige at all, initially uh, wanting more money? Absolutely not. And, and every player I talked to said, hey, you know, hey, Jason Peters is entitled to ask for whatever he wants to ask for. And he did get a little bit of a bump, not what he was asking for, but he got a little bit of a bump. And let's face it, the left tackle for most teams, unless you have a left, left-handed quarterback, your left tackle right. is your most valuable offensive lineman. It is your highest paid offensive lineman on the average. So but Jason Peters did have that leverage in terms of asking for a little bit more money. But Jason Players is probably one of the most respected guys in that locker room. He is one of the biggest mentors to offensive linemen in that locker room. He's like having a second Jeff Stoutland in terms of grooming guys uh, playing along the offensive line. Nobody, nobody within the organization, nobody within that locker room had any animosity whatsoever towards Jason Peters. And I will go so far as to tell you that, you know, it took longer than I thought because I kept saying consistently since May, Jason Peters would be back to the Philadelphia Eagles. But I was a little bit surprised when he agreed to play right, tack, uh, right guard out of necessity mm-hmm. after uh, Brandon Brooks got hurt because I always knew that Jason Peters was going to be the starting left tackle. Even if Andre Dillard hadn't got hurt, Jason Peters was going to be your left tackle. Mm-hmm. There are well, two things. One, uh, as we look ahead to the season, uh, you'd like to see Wentz get off to a relatively good start. He, he, sometimes yeah. he gets off to a little – shaky start the first couple of games. And more importantly, the second half of that question is, he's got to stay on the field. He's, he can't get hurt. He's got to play. Well, you know, the, the injury he sustained in that playoff game against Seattle last year was a fluke when Clowney uh, drilled him in the back of the head, you know. So he, he got through a regular season and got to the playoffs. Unfortunately, he didn't get to finish that game against Seattle. You look at what right. he finished last season with, he, they were bringing in receivers off the practice squad, off the street, and he mm-hmm. willed that team to a division title and to the playoffs. 
Now, because of injuries, well, Deshaun Jackson is back healthy. That's a big plus. But you look at the other guys he's going to be throwing to again, Greg Ward, J.J. Arthega-Whiteside, and, of course, he's got the, the, two, uh, the two security blankets in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So he's going to be throwing to a bunch of guys he's very comfortable with. I'd be shocked if he didn't come out of the gate already in a groove uh, because he knows these guys so well. He's not going in blind with this particular core group of guys. Now, when these younger guys get healthy, like the Jalen Ragers and the Quez Watkins and the John Hightowers, when they get healthy, it's going to be a little bit growing pain with those guys because, you, you know, you miss the value, the value of the OTAs, the mini camp, uh, no preseason games. So the timing is going to be a little bit off when the speed picks up. But right now he has a group of guys that, that basically helped him get that divisional title last year. Tommy? Hmm. Well, that's great about that. Dirk, Dirk we're we're shows based in the Tampa Bay area. And you, you should see all the Eagle fans the crowds is a couple several of the Eagle bars up there. It's like going to the game up at the Lincolns, singing Eagles fight song, fly Eagles flying, halftime rallies. But 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 for three hours that's the closest we could come for home for three hours watching our birds up there. But every time I wear an Eagles hat or an Eagles their Eagles shirt, he said, "Go back to Philadelphia." It says, "Fly Eagles fly." I will tell you this about Eagles fans. Uh, wherever they go, uh, Eagles fan base contingent is strong. A lot of stadiums wow. you would think is split 50-50 in terms of <laughs> crowd noise. Um, obviously, certain stadiums like uh, Seattle Stadium, Kansas City Stadium are going to be definitively in favor of the home team. But for the most part, you know, when I've been down to Tampa covering that team, I, w- I almost thought it was like as many Eagles fans there as it was, you know, Buccaneers <laughs> sure. fans. It's amazing. How, how how strong the Eagles contingent is, but that's the way it is. They live or die with this team. They can go over 16, but Philadelphia Eagles football is king in this city of Philadelphia. Roger, Derek, I just had, I have to tell you that uh, I really enjoyed uh, the hour uh, that uh, Glenn McNall and Ray Dinger uh, had with you a couple of weeks ago uh, on the, the Saturday show. And I, you know, it's great to hear about, you know, about your career and of course, of course, you know, been around you with the Eagles. But let me ask you: the uh, what what do you have on the horizon now? Uh, are you going to be doing any Eagles uh, reports at all during the upcoming season? Well, I, I launched my uh, own podcast uh, yesterday, Gun on One, uh, with Brandon Graham, who I have a tremendous uh, relationship with. Uh, right. It's out everywhere you get podcasts right now, and it has taken off. Um, I'll be doing a, a TV show for the CBS affiliate um, starting this Sunday. I just agreed Great. today to do. I just agreed today to work with uh, Brian Westbrook and Devon Givens on ninety-seven point five, the Fanatic ESPN Radio in Philadelphia, every Sunday three-hour pregame show. Um, I'm doing another radio show every Thursday for Philly Voice uh, with, uh, I believe, it's going to be with Barrett Brooks and Eitan Shander. And uh, I'm also looking to do some work with the Philadelphia Eagles organization itself. So I told my wife, I said, I'm working harder now than I did when I actually worked (laughs) for NBC. And and the worst part about it is I have to keep an appointment booked because I forget where I'm supposed to be at any given moment. Uh, So I have to be structured. (laughs) Let me ask you a question right out of left field, Derek. Derek, you have absolutely nothing to do with it. It's just an observation from from my standpoint. That is it. I followed the Flyer series very, very closely, and I know you did too. And 
NBC yeah. uh, uh, Sports Philadelphia covered uh, a, lo- a lot of it uh, with post-game shows and so forth. I couldn't believe, and and maybe you can tell me why. I thought the the, the feature they did on the Spectrum was brilliant, but why the heck would you put the Flyers post-game show on for the seventh game of the semifinal series at twelve o'clock midnight instead of right <laughs> after the game and then play and then play the Spectrum show? Why why would they do that? I, I, you know what? That's above my former pay grade. I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer that one, but I will tell you this. Philadelphia is a sports market unlike most other. It yep. doesn't make a difference when you put it on. People are going to watch. And you, mm-hmm. you look at the, the the numbers and the ratings that come out, and you go, wow, I can't believe people actually stayed up to watch this and to listen <laughs> to those game comments and to hear the player interviews. Um, but mm. I, I wish I could tell you. But I'm not privy to that information. I agree with you. I'm thinking, <laughs> what the heck are they doing? Um, right, you know right. Well, I mean, the Spectrum show is great. Uh, did you see this? Have you seen the Spectrum show? Yeah, I've, I've never seen the entire show. I've seen bits and pieces, but okay. it's a phenomenally it, it's put a together. terrific, it's a terrific piece, and I yeah. I agree with it. You know, that I, I really enjoyed watching every bit of it. But I turned it on to watch the post game show of the seventh game of the playoff series, and I said, "What the heck is this?" And then I had to <laughs> jump around others. And then come back at midnight to see the postgame show. <laughs> the, the only the only logical business reason I could give you is this: maybe that show was already slated for that time slot because nobody thought that there would be a seventh game in the series, mm-hmm. and it was probably sponsored and paid for. So obviously they had to find another time slot for the postgame show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well, the only. If you, hear, if you hear the answer, give me a call sometime. We, I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Roger. Go ahead, Roger. I was out of left field. Listen, I well now listen, I understand, Don, okay, because we were there at the spectrum at opening night in sixty seven. Okay? When everybody Every one of those shows fly. I was there. Every one. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, Derek, uh, you know, that's great about your schedule. Looking forward to watching you in C B S three and uh the podcast and everything. And, you know, the uh, talk a little bit about your uh, career. I know you grew up in the Green Bay area, and uh, you met your wife out in San Diego when you were covering the Chargers. you got a great family. And uh, I know your, your, one of your daughter's birthdays was last week. So talk yep. a little bit about your career before, uh, you know, be, you know, while you're here. Appreciate it. The, the, thing, the thing I like to talk about the most is, you know, most people I know in the business, whether it's radio, TV, or print journalism, it's something that they wanted to do uh, ever since they were teenagers or maybe even earlier in their lives. Uh, me getting in this business, uh, if, I, if you had asked me to give you a list of 20 things, the top 20 things that I might want to do in life, being in front of a camera on television probably would have been number 38 on a list of 20. <laughs> and it's just by sheer luck that I was playing football at the small college in California. Uh, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I'm from north, north, north part of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And one of our coaches was a defensive line coach named Wayne Walski. He was from south Milwaukee. Uh, that's the common bond that we had. I had never met the man before I got to this college, Imperial Valley College. When I left that college, I've never seen him since. Uh, but he was my American literature professor, and my mother was a teacher, so the, the spoken word, 
and the written word was always emphasized in my home. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think in some ways he was shocked that this young black kid was so articulate and was so well-written. I was one of his better students in his American literature class, and he said, you know, you should be writing for a newspaper. And I said, I don't want to write for a newspaper. I, 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 that's, I don't want to do that. But he kept probing, and he asked a couple of the local newspapers if they had any openings. They did not. So he called me one day and said, hey, I got you an interview at the CBS TV station in El Central, California. I said, for what? He says, just go in and talk to him. I don't know. Just go talk. So I go in. This was in September of 1979 on a Thursday. I talked to this guy named Randy Sparaghi. He was the general manager. Um, an hour later, he goes, okay, you're hired. I said, hired to do what? He said, you're going to be my sports director. I said, what does that mean? He said, you're going to be on uh, TV every night giving scores and highlights. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he starts laughing. And he says, you know, come back in on Friday. Uh, we'll have you walk around and meet all the salespeople, the general manager, and, and everybody. And, and then next, that following Monday, we're going to start you, uh, start your TV career. So in my mind, I'm, when I walked out of that office, I'm thinking, I got – Four days, basically, to find another job so I can tell this guy, uh, thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) But something pushed me to go back into that office on Friday. I go back in. I'm there two hours, and the guy goes, how far do you live from here? I said, I live maybe a five-minute drive. Why? He says, says, go home and get a jacket, shirt, and tie. We're going to put you in the air tonight. I said, what? So (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to write TV scripts. I don't know how to read off a prompter. I go home and tell my <laughs> other roommates, who two guys from North Dakota and one guy who had already worked at the TV station that I played with, he was a photographer at the TV station, I go home and tell them what's happening. They call everybody they know in this valley to say, you got to see this because this is going to be funny. So sure enough, I don't know why I did it. I went home, got my shirt, tie, and then my jacket. I went back to the office. Okay. Uh, people mm-hmm. helped me write a script. They gave me a quick crash course on how to read a prompter. And that night, gentlemen, it was like filed up bleeps and blunders. And when I got home, I had three guys laying on the floor rolling, laughing. He said, man, you better get out of there. If I were you, I would never go back. <laughs> well, Derek, that's a great way to wind it up. First of all, I want to thank you so much. We've got another great Philly broadcaster waiting in the wings. He's in the on-deck circle, Tom Lamain. And, of course, he's going to talk a lot about the Flyers as well. But, uh, and, Derek, and, very, and very nice to have you join us. We hope, hope you'll join us again. You know what, guys? Anytime. Thank you for having me on. I, I enjoyed it. My, our pleasure. Hey, thank you. Great okay. question. Did you? Thanks so much. Did you... Okay, we'll be in touch. And uh, you know, and I know you know TL, so uh, uh, he, he thinks the world of you too. We all do. You're just a great guy. And congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's much appreciated. I really appreciate everything you just said. Take Have care, my man. Morning, Take care. Yep. Tom Lemay, let's get into the let's get into the on deck circle here and, and onto the air and, uh, and and not a great seventh game to say the least. Uh, well, you know it's um, we'll find out how great a, a seventh game it was when we uh, find the eventual uh, eventual outcome of the New York Islanders. Um, I you know it could be the Flyers have, have lost Game Seven to maybe the best team. You know, it's uh, it's you know, I, I, for most of the season, the Islanders were playing under the radar. Uh, but if you remember, they were, I think, undefeated in their first 15, 16 games or something. And uh, 
I'll always throw the common denominator at you, and that's Barry Trotz. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and by the way, you know, by the way, was anybody surprised at the Jack Adams winner? <laughs> I don't know about I mean, that. Really? I, yeah. Only thing that surprised you, me, to be honest with you, that, and we talked about it last week. The thing that surprised me about Game Seven is what also surprised me in the other games too. That the fact that it went seven, and that was that the power play wasn't there. There was no power play. Well, you know, to uh, to wear out an old uh, phrase, you know, you got to give credit to the other team. Uh, they were beating the Flyers to the puck. They were quicker. They're faster. Right. They, uh, they won the fifty fifties. Uh, but Barry Trotz, I mean, he is the I, you know. Bruce Cassidy's a very good coach, but it really surprised me when he won the Jack Adams Award. Um, I mean, does anybody does anybody really uh, disagree or agree with that? I mean, that's that's breaking news. I mean, that's the, in addition to the uh, to, to the playoffs. I certainly don't. I certainly yeah, don't disagree what, Tom, with it. I, I just I, I just uh, went online about it, yeah, and I know what you mean. Uh, you know that uh, because Barry Trotz got got the Jack Adams Award. And uh, that that would surprise me. I mean, I would no, think no, no, that. I, uh, did I get that wrong, uh, Roger? I mean, I thought I just heard that uh, Cassidy. I thought that the, the Boston Bruins head coach got the Jack Adams Award. Maybe I got the information wrong. Did I? Uh, well, I'm, I, hey, I, I don't well, know. Let's, let's, fact, let's fact check that. Maybe I got it wrong. Uh, but I thought Uh-oh. just before this game went on the air, I heard that uh, that uh, Bruce. Tommy, that'll be your first mistake in forty years. Uh, no, it'll be not, uh, no, probably the probably the second time. Oh, no. uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I, I was I was amazed by the first game of this series. That uh, I, I wasn't amazed that they lost. I'm talking about the Islanders because <clears throat> that record we <throat> talked about in the first half hour of the show. First of all, playing into the playoffs, then playing the first round, then playing the second round, of which three games went overtime, and then having to fly to the next game two days later, I was not surprised that the Islanders were taken off their states. However, I didn't think they were going to lose by that, you know, eight to two. But uh, mm-hmm. so it'll be very interesting to see tonight. Uh, we talked in the first hour. I think this is a very, very important game for the Islanders, and since they can't go down to nothing. They they have to come out and win tonight. Tom, you did well, not answer. make a mistake. Bruce Cassidy was the winner of the Boston well, Bruins. So that surprised me. Yeah. I mean, Don, why? Tom I mean, if, did not have him make a mistake. If uh, first one I first one I ever knew about. Well, and I'm still I'm still uh, I'm still uh, 400 to know then. No, I'm sorry, 399 to one. But the, you know, it, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to rationalize uh, the thinking behind. I mean, Cassidy's a good coach, but let me give you two reasons. I mean, didn't he not play? Did his team not play in the Stanley Cup Final last year? Okay, so a team that plays yes, in the Stanley did. Cup yeah. Final and doesn't make it past this round this year. And has the league's top scoring line. Uh, I'm all, this math isn't adding up here for me. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, he he took his team to the Stanley Cup final, the championship right. game, lost it, uh, but came back this year and never got that far. 
and he had the top scoring line in the league all year round. I, I just, uh, whereas you get a guy like Barry Trotz, and of course, you know, to um, to hold off on being a hometown favorite here, uh, I thought Elaine Vigneault did a great job with the Flyers. They came out of nowhere this year and and uh, ended up with that with that weird and unusual round robin opening thing. Ended up with the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. that's coming a long way for a coach. And um, I, I just to me it was a, to me it was a it was a a, a coin toss a coin toss between. Barry Trotz and Elaine Vigneault, and I think Bruce Cassidy came out of nowhere. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't, I don't understand the rationale behind the award. Well, I, could, I couldn't disagree with you about Trotz. I thought we talked about it all the way along the line is what he was able to do, and, and not just with one club. He's done it with three. And uh, it, it's very, very interesting the, the way – and I mentioned a little bit earlier, I saw his press conference yesterday – uh, at great length, and uh, boy, he didn't make any excuses for what happened in game number one. He didn't talk about travel. He didn't talk about the overtimes. He talked about what they got to do today, and you know they're going to come out and play. I've got it on, obviously, while we're talking, and uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see whether they can hold up in game number two. Well, regardless of the score of the first, regardless of the score of the first game, it's still only only down one nothing. You know, I mean, so it's. Uh, uh, I, I just, uh, I, mean, I, I still can't get over the Jack Adams Award. I'm sorry. I guess I, we were laboring <laughs> on it too much here, but uh, I just, uh, I was shocked. I was really shocked when I heard. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know what their rationale is on this, how they decide this, and how it was decided this year anyway. But, uh, uh, you know, to me, um, the, the, uh, <laughs> the number one candidate, for the Jack Adams Award this year, his team is still playing. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, Boston <laughs> got knocked out. I mean, and a, a team right. that made it to the final and doesn't make it past the first round this year? Right. Uh, and, the, and yet the coach gets the award? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we've beaten that horse enough. Let's, let's saddle up and ride some other animals. Bad news Tommy, up in Toronto. How about that Tampa Bay Lightning, the, Tom? Uh, we're losing one, one nothing in the in fourteen oh five in the first period. So it's just a there's a dumb dumb Vavilesky shot. He went down low for the puck screen. They shot the five hole right past Vavilesky. And the shots on goal was the shots on goal. The Islanders have a four two advantage lead, and the shots on goal. But you know, you, you, but well, Tom and everybody, you know, you, you know, sure. It, it, why do you lose this game? And you just have game number three be even bigger. In the old days, you just you know just try to keep it. Well, I said I said they're gonna win this in six. So, I, mean, uh, I just saw what Nelson just Nelson shot. just got clipped for the back. Holy smokes! Oh, that, yeah. was a, that was yeah, a cheap, cheap, cheap shot by cheap shot by Kalorn. That was a cheap shot. Oh, that is blind, just, that, that was awful. Crashed. Yeah, a play like that, Kalorn should be out of the game. That's it. Yep. Take him out of the game on that shot. That is, if that's not a disqualifying move. I don't know. Oh, what it, it, look at the I mean, elbow. Uh, look at the elbow he threw. Look at the elbow he oh, threw. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, no, not the elbow. It's the ice right now. It's oh, he's going to the bench. The boards. Well, then, yeah, anyway, I think he's uh, out. It's too early, and uh, there's too many, too many stats uh, that uh, won't right. add up until you get to the uh, final game five, here. He's got but, a five-minute uh, penalty. Well, he should be thrown well, out. Is, yeah. I mean, he should be. Yeah. I mean, maybe if it's not the Stanley Cup playoffs, he would have been thrown out, but that was a cheap shot. And that was anyway. 
Uh, yeah, look, they're looking at it, uh, Tommy. They're really looking at it on the sideline. Look at uh, if he doesn't get ejected, I'll be very surprised. Five Not quite power as surprised as the Jack Adams trophy. I love that really surprised. <laughs> that really surprised me. <laughs> anyway, I, it's hey, just, uh, I think that if you uh, – uh, getting back to the Islanders and the Flyers, um, if you think that uh, uh, that game was played uh, in, in, in retrospect, I, and I mentioned this, I think, the last time we talked. Yeah, game uh, misconduct. Hey, uh, there we go. That's definitely – Definitely the right call. If you, uh, it looked like we were watching the Lou Lamarillo Devils of several years ago when you're watching the uh, the Islanders mm-hmm. play against the Flyers. The Flyers uh, really had no answer for the uh, the checking game. Um, you know, it seemed like the Islanders could send four guys in on the check on the on yeah. the, uh, the four check, and yet get those same four guys back on the back check. I mean, they were that fast. <laughs> I mean. The same four guys I'm looking at, forechecking and, and cycling even, all of a sudden they're back on the back check on the other side of the uh, red line. Mm. And I, 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 to me, that's, that's, uh, that's an, it's, it's, an, it's an example or a, reason of two, the, a result of two things. A very well-structured team. They never get caught with their pants down on plays like that. And number two, they are just a quicker, faster team. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there there might not be a better team there might not be a better line right now in hockey than the uh, than that uh, first line for the uh, New York Islanders uh, Anders Lee I mean to me I'll take mm-hmm. him I'll take him anytime anybody wants to make an offer for me for Anders Lee uh, he's a big fast forward who uh, has a great knowledge of the game and is a, is is probably a very a best example of a captain on a hockey team I can think of. And uh, I always liked Andrews Lee. And when he first came in and, and started playing for the Islanders, he, way before he became captain, uh, he's just the typical type of player that uh, the hockey national hockey league is, is known for these days. Big guys mm-hmm. who can skate. Right. But uh, how, about, how about this line back in 76, Kelly Schultz and Selesky. <laughs> Well, now, put him on the ice. <laughs> you know, I, I just, um, I, I really hesitate to, uh, to compare um, any sport from that long ago right. to today. Uh, you know, right. I, I think uh, back then when guys weren't wearing helmets, I think the, uh, the game, the game changed. The game changed when guys started wearing helmets. I think it gave right. players a, it gave them a false sense of uh, safety. If you, you mm-hmm. don't talk to any of the guys, three guys that you, you just mentioned, I'll talk to them anytime. And they'll say, they'll say, you know, the reason why was because all the action stayed below the knees. There was no high, mm-hmm. there was no, uh, uh, no slap shots. There were no uh, high uh, games, uh, you know, ga- uh, pucks that were right. really, you never saw pucks very high off the ice. And uh, mm-hmm. once the helmets uh, came into play and of course the game got a lot faster uh, I think um, players take more chances, and uh, the game is way above. You know, the, the, how many times you see the puck above the dasher board nowadays? And back then, <laughs> in the year that you mentioned, the three players played in uh, those. Yeah, I can't. Dis- I I can't disagree with it, Tom. I think Eddie Van Ampen, he was mm-hmm. he was a great character for the the great teams of the, of the Flyers, but today he would not be able to play. Well. I, 
you know, just maybe only the three guys that you mentioned would be able to play <laughs> today. I don't know. I just know that uh, I remember uh, when the Western Conference was established and the new teams came in, and St. Louis kind of bullied their way past the Flyers, and I uh, distinctly remember uh, Ed Snyder saying to Keith Allen, Keith, I'm tired of my guys getting pushed around. Go out and get me some tough players. That's right. And yep. Keith Allen did. They went out and got they went out and got the Kellys and the and the Schultzes and the Ed Van Im- and, and, and that made a difference. I mean, uh, they probably uh, took that to another level. That that mm-hmm. kind of hockey, obviously, they did take it to another level. They played the brand of hockey that I don't think any uh, hockey fans had ever seen before. And of course, they're the, the hockey purists are going to say, ah, you know, what are these guys playing? They're a bunch of bullies. Well, Broad Street bullies, yeah. Well, you either like mm-hmm. it or you don't. If it's successful for you and it works, but that's that to me. When Ed Snyder told Keith Allen, "Go out and get me some tough guys because I'm tired of getting beat up," and that changed not only the Flyers' fortunes, but I it, it changed the uh, the way hockey's played. Mm-hmm. Well, we got two minutes left on the on the penalty, and uh, so far the Lightning have done a great job of shutting them down. Uh, the first goal It's way too early. Tom, but I, what, I what, uh, Tom, what do you think? Uh, and Roy Cummings mentioned this uh, earlier. You know the uh, the the more the the older players or the the uh, more tenured players that, like the captain, they really did not produce in the seven games. Uh, a little bit towards the end. What do you? Why do you think that was? You have any idea? Well, uh, early on, I thought that uh, I thought that the front line, the first line of the Flyers, did a good job of, of shutting down the front line of the other team, uh, particularly when Couturier was playing before he got injured and when he was playing. Uh, you know, you you expend. Don't forget, these were low scoring games, basically, right? I mean, right. Mm-hmm. you know, for the, we, and I think when you're when you're uh, taxed or charged with uh, checking the other team, and you know they they held the top scoring team in the league, the Boston Bruins. I think they held them scoreless, right? You know, mm-hmm. and any time any time the number one Bruins line was out there, the Flyers' number one line was out there. And I'm not making mm-hmm. any excuses on this, but when you expend a lot of energy uh, defensively, checking and shutting down the other team's front line, well, maybe there's not much uh, fuel in the tank left for you to be an offensive uh, force in that game. I mean, that's to answer your question, that's that's the only answer I have right now. Aside from the fact you can use the old standard, well, uh, the guys just cooled off at the wrong time. But uh, you know, but look at the look at the look at the production they did get from uh, from other lines. You know, oh. I think I've mentioned to you how much of a f- fan I am of number eighteen. Uh, I just think uh, you know guys <laughs> like him come in there and played and uh, way above what anybody expected them to. But that's the only answer I have. And I just and I uh, to isolate it, I go back to and I think I mentioned this before several years ago. I had a conversation with Sean uh, Couturier after after the season was over. And uh, this guy, he was he was out there with up in his first few years with the Flyers. His number one job was to blanket Crosby, to blanket number eight, and to blanket any top scorer. He was the, he shadowed these guys, and he was as soon as they were on the ice, he was on the ice. 
And I and mm-hmm. I said, I think really I talked to him at length about this, and I said, I, I really think you have some offensive prowess. And uh, I was just wondering, you know, what coach was going to bring it out of you. Well, he finally got a coach that did. And by the way, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be really surprised if he doesn't win the Selkie, which I think will be announced tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? Well, after, yeah, after well, announcing the – You know, Claude Giroux uh, really didn't do much and took a lot of criticism, uh, you know, for not, quote, unquote, being a, a leader uh, – just like uh, Bryce Harper's uh, getting it today in, with the Phillies. And uh, so that's why I asked the question, because you saw him at every game. And, the uh, uh, you know, he, he, I, I thought he was doing uh, great up until that, uh, that the, the seven, uh, seven games. I mean, I don't know. That's why I asked. Well, you know, you can have a, you can have a stretch of not being very productive in seven games during the regular season. But when you sure. have a lack of production in the seven games that are in a playoff, it's magnified. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. right. Yeah, but Tommy, right. the old I saying mean, is you your, big time, your big-time players have to play big-time games in, 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 at that time. You know, you can be a great player, but you, I mean, they've gone through that with the Lightning now for a couple of couple of years where mm-hmm. a big-time player doesn't, get, uh, doesn't really come to the fore. And uh, that that's why you take so much criticism, no question about it. Well, I want you to hold the line and hold the final <laughs> jurisdiction, <laughs> your judgment. I don't want you to hold your final judgment until we find out how far the Islanders go. I mean, uh, to use an analogy here, uh, and I hate to do it because it's apples and oranges, but uh, don't you think the 76ers will feel a lot better if Boston goes on and plays in the final? You know, yeah, exactly. you're right. Don't, and same way, same way with the Islanders. I mean, don't you? I mean, you're never going to feel good getting eliminated, but there might be a little bit of a, you know, compensation here when you think, okay, let's see, how, let's see how far the Islanders advance. And then I can tell you, and I'll be able to give a better judgment on how the Flyers performed against the Islanders. And I think uh, school is still out on that. Hey, Tom, if you could uh, you refrain from using those big words. Tommy went to, uh, to Brandywine College, so every time you use a big word, he has <laughs> Has to look it up, and then they then he can uh, can say something. <laughs> okay, which, which one time. was it? I'll, which one was it? I'll take it out of the vocabulary. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll scratch. <laughs> Hockey, real horse. Tommy, let me let me throw you one out of left field. Tommy, everybody in our group and everybody that's watched National Football League for any time thinks that Belichick is the man. Is he going to be able to regroup this team that he's got right now with Brady? down in Tampa and uh, ready to go with the Buccaneers. And, and uh, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be, have a successful year or is this going to be what he's going to take a step back? I, I think, Don, you know, everybody signed when they're 42 years old. Look, you know, look what happened to Steve Kerr when he signed with the Indies. He was 42 years old. He didn't have this stuff. In football, you need all kinds of protection from your left guard, right, right, right tackle, and all you guys up on the line. You need your receivers to catch the ball. Your running back can do, do something here. I, I, you know, you know. I don't think Tom Brady's the answer for the Bucks. To be honest with you guys, but they need they need somebody. It's a whole forty man effort. And I think Bruce Arias is going to lead his team in the right direction. Brady might get hurt this year, but you get a different quarterback to take over that over that challenge for for Buccaneers right now. 
Well, I don't think it'll matter uh, depending on what Kansas City does. I think anything else will be a moot uh, point. Uh, you know, who cares what uh, the uh, Patriots do? Or you know, uh, if 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 nobody can beat Kansas City, it doesn't matter. Right, right. And right now, it looks like they it looks like they. You know, but not only that, but if it's not Kansas City, I just have a feeling that because of such a weird season and everything is happening, uh, I think uh, a team that. Uh, that nobody is looking at right now in the National Football League will uh, will, will surprise people. I'm no, I don't know what that who that team is, but right. uh, if it's not can you know if, if uh, you know uh, if Kansas City doesn't dominate, then that would be a surprise to me based on what they did last year. But I think right. uh, I think I think a team in the NFL is going to come out of nowhere and surprise everybody. Mm. Roger, just like in, just like in baseball, Tom. You know, the Orioles, the uh, Padres, a number of surprise teams because of the shortened season and, uh, you know, the uncertainty well, of, of, of what tomorrow brings. Well, you can't compare. No, you can't compare the Orioles to the Padres. The, the Padres went out and got big-name <laughs> players and paid a lot of money for them. You know, if you ask any average, you ask any average fan to, to name two or three players in the Orioles lineup, and I bet you they won't be able to do it. I mean, I see, well, if the Orioles – Successful, the success the Orioles are having is without guys they went out and got and paid big money for. And uh, but the Padres, man, they just uh, you know they went out and bought players and uh, and, it, and it's uh, paying off. I mean they, they they have big name players. They have a high ticket salary uh, list, and uh, uh, you know to me the, the Orioles are really a surprise. But uh, Padres, well the Orioles, Tommy, the Orioles are doing a little bit what Tampa Bay did. They they picked up free agents. They mm-hmm. picked up players. Uh, you know they put together a package uh, uh, without using too much salary cap. San Diego has three times mm-hmm. there tried to make a run at the Dodgers by signing big time talent. Well, yeah, they never there's, made. There's, there's a big difference. Tampa Bay came into this season with two guys who could be MVPs. <laughs> there's right. nobody on that Orioles team that could be an MVP. I'm just talking about building a team that's competitive. The Orioles weren't even right. competitive. They were a triple-A team right. last year. And uh, right. they, well, they were able to make it. They were make it with uh, with good work from uh, signing free agents and, and picking up players that were free uh, off the waiver wire and make a very competitive team. And I don't think they're going to win anything, but they at least have made a, a team that you don't mind watching. Well, the Yankees are helping them out by uh, the problems the Yankees are helping. I mean, I think yeah, they're uh, up. To, they're up three five three tonight. Well, I think if the Yankees were uh, uh, you know a healthy team, uh, the Orioles would not be the factor that they are in that division. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's it's you know the Yankees have all the best players in that division for sure. I mean, you know, Boston let all their good guys go, and uh, the mm-hmm. Orioles are taking advantage of the. Uh, Misfortunes of the Yankees. That's that's what's happening right, right. now so far. Anyway, right. Well, down here in Tampa, everybody has got the best record in American League right now, and they're winning this by playing professional baseball. I mean, you know, this just easy baseball. Just try to be back of them, hit and run, stealing bases up there. So Rays are a so good organization. Oh yes, sir. Right. Yeah, yes. They, without a doubt. Without a doubt, and it goes back to. Uh, to uh, you know, to the days of uh, Esposito. I mean, uh, you know, I mentioned before when I, uh, I to, to come from uh, where they were at the beginning, and I mentioned I don't, I can't think of any other professional team in their first five years 
played at three different venues. I mean, and you really, you can't expect too much success or too much cohesion, you know, or collectively getting together when you don't know where you're going to play in from one year to the next. And, mm-hmm. and the one location, I, I just couldn't believe that the National Hockey League allowed a team to play in this arena, which was, uh, was down at the fairgrounds, I believe it was. It was down on an Indian reservation, and the guys didn't even have room in the what, what they called locker rooms back then. Uh, the guys had to work <laughs> yeah. out. They got, actually had to work outside. Uh, right. right. So to, uh, to to come from those <laughs> easy to say humble beginnings. Uh, to the point where they are right now is uh, a sign of good organizational skills. I agree. Tommy, how about the Phils? You're right there in the center of the Philly picture. Before we uh, run out of time, what do you what do you think about the progress uh, that Joe Girardi has made or hasn't made? Well, uh, well yeah, I, I'm not. I wouldn't concentrate on so much what Joe Girardi has done. Now, let me concentrate on the front office and what they have or haven't done. I mean, the, the, pitching situation, right. the pitching situation is terrible. I mean, you, you score 10 runs and lose. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not good. And I don't, you know, I heard you, you, I think you made a very subtle, disparaging remark about Bryce Harper about uh, 10 minutes ago. Uh, I did, yes, don't, I did. Don't, don't, don't worry <laughs> about Bryce Harper. I mean, he, you know, everybody has their slumps. However, because of a shortened season, everything is magnified. I mean, what do they have, 17 right. games to go? Uh, yeah, right. But, uh, but how many teams make the playoffs this year in baseball? Eight. Almost Eight. everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost Eight. It's, like, it's, like, it's like everybody in hockey used to make the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, if you – if I wouldn't count them out. I mean, uh, these two guys, uh, they picked up for – I mean, they're, 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 they're reaching for straws trying to get somebody in the bullpen to do something. And uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I beg you, I beg you to answer the question: Why take out a starter when he's better than anybody you have in the bullpen? I don't care if he's I thrown agree. 125 no pitches. Sense. I don't care yeah. how many pitches that guy has thrown. You can't you you when you have three starters who are better than anybody in your bullpen, leave them in there. If I have one disparaging right. remark to make about Joe Girardi, he has, you know, hey, he has caved in to the way baseball is played today. You know, by the seventh inning, all right, let me go to my seventh inning guy, and then my eighth inning guy, and then my closer. Uh, to me, that's uh, it's a very, very bad, uh, a bad well that uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, has fallen into. And I just say Absolutely. again. If you saw the game that the Mets and the Phillies played against one another over the weekend, I mean, you could see a college game that was better than those two teams. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. Fly ball to center field. First he turns left, then he turns right, then the ball bounces behind him. I mean, <laughs> I never saw anything like it. it, it I mean, it, it was, a, I'm, I'm telling you, college teams well, played uh, better than those two. Well, I also uh, I also am uh, befuddled by some of the base running decisions that are made. Uh, oh. You know, uh, base baseball basics, Don, uh, is, uh, is is failing in every uh, angle of the sport. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's now it's just a, a home run or strikeout one or the other. When when your strikeouts when your strikeouts are more than your hits, 
that, that that's not baseball to me. And so, you know, and, and, and that to me also is a reflection about fundamentals. You know, uh, it's either all or nothing at all. And the launch angle and all this stuff about speed of the ball, leaving the ballpark, you know, I just, you just get caught up in all that stuff at the expense of fundamentals. And to me, when I see these guys swing, you know, I'm going, God, man, my, my high school coach would be all over me for swinging that way. <laughs> and uh, when I see a guy make a dumb base running move uh, or, 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 or not making a proper call when it comes to a play in, on the defensive side, I, you know, my, I'm, I'm thinking of my high school coach. He would be all over me, and, I, you know, I'd be, I'd, be, uh, I'd be warming the pine the next game for sure. And, but, you know, the players are controlling the game anymore, and that's the right. part of the reason. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if I make a dumb base running? Once in a while, a guy will get – of course, this week it got uh, uh, benched because of a dumb, uh, a dumb play he made in a game. But that's so rare anymore. And as a result, if you're not going to pay attention to the fundamentals and not uh, criticize a guy or, or penalize a guy for making – those mistakes that you're talking about, Don, well, then they will continue to be made. Bottom line. And they are continuing. Game after game after game. Well, I think you said little league guys would make some of those mistakes, and you're absolutely right. So, I, uh, you know, and and the games are so long. No, Roger, you know what I, as a matter of fact, Don, while we're on that subject, and Roger can back me up on this, when I'm in the press box, and it's the seventh inning, and this game is way too long. What do I do, Raj? <laughs> Head I home. Don, I invoke the Don Henderson rule. Right. <laughs> In 40 minutes, I will be home from that, and I'm leaving right now. And, you know, oh, God bless his soul, Henry Clay used to laugh a lot when I would say that. I'd say, Henry, right. I'm invoking 40, the Don you're 46, you're 46 minutes from the arms of your bride as you walk right, out the door. Right, right. Don, I, I hope you. I, I hope you forgive me for using that so many times. I just say that's the Don Henderson rule, and I'm, and, and I'm invoking that rule right now. What's that mean? It means I'm leaving. Tommy, thank you very, very much. Thanks, Mike's Tommy. on the on the sidelines. He's on the index circle, and we're we're going to switch a lot of a lot of soccer going on as well. We got hockey, we got oh, basketball, boy. and we even got everything oh, going man. on that they can't follow it all. Mike. Well, your turn to jump in. Tom, take care. Thanks so much. You're welcome, so, Roger. Take care. I think as of this weekend, we're going to have a phenomenon that we never thought was possible, and all four major sports are all going to be in season at the same time. <laughs> Amazing. I'm outside. Never thought and we'd I got a, this. Yeah, I got another one for you. How about this? If the Eagles make it to the play, playoffs this year, there's a better than average. And the Phillies are sitting right now. There's a better than average chance Philly could have five teams in the playoffs in 2020. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Guys, update update Edmonton. Lightning tied it up one one, and now started the second period right now. I'll update for you guys. Well, you had a coaching change in New York. Well, yeah, and um, actually both New York teams have been struggling um, pretty yes. much. 
um, the Red Bulls absolutely got shellacked by the Union, uh, three nothing. Brendan Aronson had a uh, peach of a goal in the second half, an absolute curler that went right into the uh, top right hand of the net. If you get a chance to watch his goal, it's abs. And then when you look at the kit, you realize that kid's not even 20 years old yet. You're like, wow all right, we got a good one here. And you can see why a lot of people like him. But um, both the Red Bulls and NYCFC have really been struggling this year. So it's not a surprise that moves are being made up there. Um, On the flip side, you've got the Union who are sitting in second place in the Eastern Conference right now. What's interesting, though, is they have a game, and they have an eminently winnable game on uh, Saturday against New England Revolution. But as of right now, that is their finally their last scheduled game. Uh, the MLS has yet to put out a schedule, and their slate of games that they scheduled after the tournament expires on the 16th of September. So I was going to say, yeah, it'll be great to look forward and see where they're going next. But to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea who they're playing yet next and what the MLS's plan is for the remain getting the remainder of the season. Is. That's really great. That's really great. We get a sports. We think about tomorrow night, the Washington, Kansas City. We race up that championship. Don, you got mm-hmm. the golf on there, and you got the basketball on there for the for the finals. And myself, I know I'll be watching the hockey games. Tampa Bay could be a big play, a big part of what's going on. They're tied up one one right now with the Islanders in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I think it's going to be good that you play tonight, the day off, they play Friday night, which is going to be day off. So right, you can win this one, win, win Friday night, it will just be open up a, a lot, lot stronger than they can with everything else going on in the sun up there. And that. But then I forgot to mention this. I looked at a, a paper one day, and the Phillies were 19-19 and 19 in second place. Is, are, they still, are they still in second place, I wonder? Yeah, the the Phils are still in second place. Um, I, I, for me, my biggest surprise is the one down here, and for the last couple of, in this area, um, everybody's kind of wandering around here. What's going on with the uh, the Nationals? They just um, mm-hmm. they haven't been able to get it together. And when they have gotten pitching, they haven't gotten any sort of hitting. And when mm-hmm. those few times where they've been able to generate some offense, the pitching just hasn't been there for them. Um, oh boy, it's. It's uh, you know it's not the season that you want defending your your uh, defending the world uh, the t- World Series championship, uh, but mm-hmm. you know in a sixty game season all they need to do is get a little hot and uh, right. it, it, they can be back in there. But right now um, this season is really really starting to to slip away from them, and it's really become clear just how much. They miss um, Anthony Rendon letting him go. They miss that bat. And then uh, Sterling Marte was supposed to be a guy that they brought in to sort of kind of play that position. He opted out. And the injuries, and, and they've had some injuries and, and um, you know, missed time. And they haven't been able to get into a rhythm. But it's just really been a rough season for the Nationals. Um, they actually, and the pitching, the pitching hasn't been there either, Mike. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Max Scherzer has looked good at, at points in time, but if you look at the metrics, you know, he's not having anything close to a Max Scherzer-esque season. Uh, losing Strasburg for the whole season was a big loss for them, especially right. considering the uh, the contract that he just signed. And Corbin uh, has been okay, but not great. After that, you got, like, Three guys that they just picked up at Seven Eleven yesterday starting for him. <laughs> and Serge is only good for seven innings. He, he, he yeah, he's yeah. not going to go eight and eight and nine. He he's got to pitch one of those double headers that only goes seven innings. Mm-hmm. But more and more people are just letting him pitch and saying, you know, the people care batters and advanced metric guys and people caring less and less about how many strikeouts you get in a season. It's almost like just let Max pitch, right? Let him throw his strikes. You know he's going to get his strikes. You know he's going to get his strikeouts. Um, he's had some trouble with, with – uh, he's allowed a lot more walks than he was. But it's almost like let him pitch out and get 100 pitches in six innings and then see what right. he can do in the latter innings against the bullpen. If he gets into one of those seven-inning doubleheaders – type games he's probably lethal and he'll get the complete game but otherwise you know you 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 just let him you let him pitch and he's served up a few uh recently you know his his outing against the phils last week was was definitely not his best work um this week he looked a little bit like um the matt searcher that we we've grown accustomed to but he's getting up there and this is really like his last year before free agency and I think he'll stay in uh, Washington D.C. because I don't know that anybody. But I don't think he's going to. It's going to be a big contract. You know, the salary cap mm-hmm. issues that they're going to have with the luxury tax and stuff like that, especially given the deal that they just gave Strasburg. Um, they may be mm-hmm. looking at the end of uh, Scherzer as a Washington National this year. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike um, they t- I want to go, go ahead, back. Frank. I'm sorry, I wanted to get back to soccer for a minute. What the hell's going on with Messi? Uh, one day he's going to, to America, the next day he's going someplace else, and now he's back where he started. Well, if you read the apology, um, Frank, he basically said that he he realized that the only way that he was going to get out of that contract was to take the team to court. And the fact of the matter right. is, as much as he says he didn't want to mm-hmm. take the team to court, to be truthful, if he had gone to court, it's likely that he would have lost. Even if he had gone to court, um, he the hearing would not have been scheduled in time for him to make a move this season. So it's more likely than not that he would have had to wait until next season, at which point they would have said, well, we had a deal, but you didn't fulfill the last end of your contract. So they probably might have tried to stay on and hang on to him for a little bit long, even beyond that. The best thing mm-hmm. that he could do right now was just suck it up and say, the president of the team lied to me. I'm going to go back because I don't want to put, take the team to court. I'm going to play out this season. And basically it was the equivalent of a goodbye letter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once they said that they, they were going to enforce his release clause, which basically in Spain, every player's contract has a certain cash value that, the player has to deposit the, and that terminates the contract in Messi's case, it's 700 million euros, which is, um, 
roughly around 875 to 900 million dollars. Nobody's coming up with that. And I was just going to say, you touched on that last week, and and uh, uh, you pretty much said there's no way he's going to go because you're not going to pay out that kind of money. There's no way. I thought there might be an amicable nego- agreement to let him go, but the interesting thing was the statement where he he did come out and say basically he felt like the president of the club lied to him. That's a big deal because uh, that's as vocal as Messi has ever been about the politics inside of that club. And there's a presidential election for the club scheduled for March with Messi saying that the, that he feels as though the current president, um, Bartolomeo lied to him. That's pretty much a death nail for him at that club. He'll probably be voted out as if they needed reason to get rid of him. And the next guy is going to come in and say, well, I'm going to keep Messi. Well, the really interesting thing about that is they just hired a coach. And so the new guy is going to come in and probably he's going to try and keep Messi, but he's going to fire the new manager that they just hired. So the guy who just took the job is looking at it. He's got September, October, November. December, January, and February, maybe in that job before he might lose it. Well, Mike, thank you very much. We got Doug Hamilton standing on the sidelines, and uh, we have one player on his on his side that uh, almost made as much money this weekend as he did. I think Dustin Johnson made fifteen. I think he made fifteen billion. Don, Don, before we get to Doug, I want to ask uh, Mike a quick question. Okay, Um, Mike. The uh, what do you think about the Eagles Redskins game coming up on Sunday? I think that without a preseason, it's going to be a very, very, very interesting first half. Uh, on paper, talent wise, you would expect that the Eagles would win and, and cover. I think they were getting uh, six and a half points or something like that last time I checked. Um, it's going to be this is a rebuilding Redskins team. You know, you've got a new head coach. Dwayne Haskins didn't show a whole lot. I think they may be a little bit improved in their front seven play. Certainly, um, Chase Young is going to add a lot defensively. And I think Jason Peters is going to have his hands full. But if the line for the Eagles can, can, can hold up and Carson Wentz can complete his passes, then I think it, it, it's an Eagles win. I just don't see a lot offensively this year for the Washington Redskins, you know, outside of Terry McLaurin, they really aren't coming in with that much. And they as much admitted that when they let Adrian Peterson go and said, we're going to take a look at the running backs that we got here because we want to see who's going to be in here for the long haul. So I, I think it's a, um, I think it's an Eagles win over a team. And I think, uh, I think you're right, Mike. Football team. The line went up. The line went up a half point, I think, uh, yesterday. So maybe it's going to go up more. But I think I think you're right. They certainly have uh, they have all the horses to win their first game. Yeah, and it, it, it's just going to be how much of a rhythm they they are in. Um, I, I I think you're going to see, uh, you know, this, this this again. You're seeing you're seeing a, a young quarterback. In, um, in Washington go up against a defense that has been there and done that before. I think, and Washington's offensive line isn't exactly the greatest. Uh, so <laughs> I think it is definitely, if you look up and down the line, maybe outside of pass rush, I would say it's advantage Eagles all over the field, and I think it's going to be 
I'm going to say something. I think it's going to be something like 34 to, 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 to 10 or something. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll thank see. you very much. We'll, we'll get, get together again next, next week. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank Talk you. Later. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, let's bring the million-dollar man in now. I, I, saw Dustin, <laughs> I saw Dustin Johnson's payroll last week, and then I saw Doug's payroll last week. We're just about even. What did you think about that performance he put on last weekend? <laughs> well, I mean, D- Dustin Johnson is obviously the hottest player on the planet. So, um, you know, what can you say about – I mean, he's he's just week in and week out uh, – setting all kinds of records and um yeah, that the uh, the hole must look like a manhole cover to him at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Roger. Well, the uh the, what do you what's going to happen the rest of the year, Doug? About uh you know the uh the Masters is mm-hmm. coming up when in October, right? November. It's like uh November we can yeah, second or third week in November. More like Thanksgiving, right? It's like the week. I think it's well, the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the, will the course be uh, any good when you get down <laughs> to uh, Augusta in uh, middle of, or end of towards the end of November? Uh, gee whiz! I mean, they, you know, um, Augusta has more money than you can ever shake a stick at. Um, I mean, if they could, if they could buy temperatures, I'm sure they would. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, you, you could, you could have anything. I mean, you know, uh, Roger, you, you used, you're familiar with that climate. I mean, you, you were. A, oh yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, you you know, you, you can look at that time frame uh, when maybe we're talking about frost and. Uh, cooler temperatures up here, and, and they could get the benefit of the doubt, but you just never know. I mean, we, we could see – that was one of the reasons why I always used to like the British Open being played in July is because the, the season flip and, and you saw guys over there wearing sweaters and, and stocking mm-hmm. caps and just kind of, you know, was the, the harbinger of the season to come that was around the corner here. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you could you could catch really anything down there. So, um, I mean, I'm sure Augusta's going to have the golf course in. Uh, tremendous shape if they can um i don't know what's what, are the, what do they do some kind of engineering or something to get the azaleas to bloom they'll, they'll probably bring they'll probably get azaleas that are that are that have been <laughs> laboratory bloomed somewhere you know right. what i mean and, right. and you know they'll, transplant they're, yeah their horticulturists right. will be busy at work there so he'll be he'll be digging up stuff and then file them in. they'll probably glue them all i don't know what they'll do i, I mean you know that's <laughs> augusta <laughs> Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about your Ravens too because uh, they're going to be right at the top of the pile as well. I will say this: that uh, the Raptors are knocking off Boston right now, ninety-eight, ninety-four, mm-hmm. and they've got two minutes thirty-five seconds to go in the game, which would be a little bit of an upset. Up, the Boston just scored, so it's a two-point game with two twenty-five to go. Uh, so we got football going, we got hockey going, yeah. we got basketball going, we got uh, <laughs> tennis. The uh, uh, semifinals today. U.S. Uh, Open. At the mm-hmm. U.S. Open, yeah. And uh, so Reno, she's got to go to her 12th championship. She won again. Lost the first set and then uh, won the next two. So mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. How about your Ravens? <laughs> Give us a little shout on your Ravens. Gosh, you know, I, I well, you know, Mike made an interesting point that um, without a, any kind of a a preseason, uh, there's there's lots of things in play here. Obviously, you don't know 
you know, coming out of the gate, what, uh, what a lot of these teams are going to be like, uh, not having, you know, I'm sure they've scrimmaged themselves or, or whatever they've done to, you're, you're only allowed to put the pads on uh, so many times. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things in play here. Uh, you know, I think injuries are going to be a concern. I think that um, obviously no fans in the stands is, is going to be a concern. I think that, um, you know, no nobody's really, really played at game speed. Um, so, um, you know, you talk about uh, the Redskins, Eagles, um, talk about the Ravens and the Browns. So, I mean, you have some um, interdivision, you know, grueling type, you know, hatred match, matches of teams that um, you just don't know. I mean, like you said, on paper, I mean, the, the Eagles are a better football team than uh, the team from Washington here. Um, so, um, I, I don't know. I mean, but it's like I've always said, I mean, you know, when – uh, when when authentic got out of the gate, he was eight to one in the Kentucky Derby. Well, he didn't know what his odds were, and he and he won. I mean, he beat he beat the morning line favorite, you know, Tis the Law, who was three or five, four to five, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you just never know. I mean, the the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. were fourteen and two last year and had a very good football team. Uh, the reigning MVP and the leading rushing attack. Um, um, you know, more than adequate defense and lots of good things uh, that were happening to their football team. And then, um, you know, to, to look at the draft they had to, to pick up some more defensive pieces, uh, um, a first round running back in, in the, in the late second round. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're in theory a better football team this year than they were last year. So, you know, again, on paper at home, uh, the, the, the Ravens should win this football game. Um, but they split with the Browns last year. The Browns uh, beat them 40 to 25 and, and looked good doing it. So, you know, like I said, I mean, you, these teams have no momentum. They have no, uh, they have no, they have nothing that's, that's catapulted their season. They're starting from, you know, a dead stop. You know, there's, there's nothing in motion here. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really super excited um, to, to start the season tomorrow night and watch some football. And uh, we uh, we had our fantasy football draft here at work last night, and it got me, you know, the juices flowing with, you know, players and names and teams. And, you know, there's so many interesting things I think at play that, you know, you look at um, a really good crop of, of rookies that have come into the NFL. You've got, um, you know, some second-year players in uh, Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray and quarterbacks that, uh, could make a really big difference. You have a potential changing of the guard with uh, the Patriots having, you know, injuries and, and people opting out and uh, no real quarterback to speak of. I mean, we don't know what Cam Newton's going to be like in, in New England and in, in, in Belichick's system and a really surging Buffalo Bills football team that could make a lot of noise this year uh, altogether with, um, you know, Josh Allen is their as their quarterback and, and some strong pieces on defense and, and so there's there's a lot of questions. I mean the forty ers are still a daggone good football team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, half a billion dollars richer, so I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things going on here. Tommy? Well it's very interesting how how Doug Doug was saying about golf right now. Not Doug Doug for the other other hand. What's a golf lesson for the for the, for the person, for the golfer in the Northeast, you just played a, a great summer mm-hmm. of golf. Yeah. Did you put that clubs away and just yeah. work it on the other day? Just a continuation playing those clubs for until it starts snowing up there. Well, um, you know, in, in large part, um, I'm, I've always suspected that sometime after Labor Day, 
you know, the, the golfing action seems to uh, slow down a little bit. Um, you know, here in, in Maryland and the Northeast in general, you'll, you'll start seeing leaves fall and frost mm-hmm. and, and cooler temperatures and, you know, uh, diminishing daylight. And, you know, I think a lot of our members will, um, you know, the COVID obviously has a, a, a huge effect on, on what's happening right now in golf with the amount of play right. and the booming business and, and those sorts of things. I mean, we have so many members that have secondary residents in uh, Florida or we'll just say warmer climates that are getting ready to start their season, so to speak. And yep. they're, they're not really interested in going back there yet because of the travel and the mm. concerns and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, I mean, I, I honestly thought uh, just off the lake right today, we, we were closed yesterday, um, you know, as any good country club would be after a, a holiday weekend. Um, we, we we had limited play yesterday after 12, but I, I thought the tee sheet today would – would be a little quieter and it certainly wasn't um and looking at what's going on you know we still have a few events left in our season and you know i was telling frank when he patched me in and and i was just like today was one of those days man it's just like i I feel like i heard my name about eight thousand times today and everybody wanted something from me you know what i mean it was just one of those (laughs) days where i just couldn't I, i mean i think i ate my lunch in about four and a half minutes and um you know, it just everybody wanted something from me, and we had meetings, and and you know, as, as you guys have remarked over the course of time, I mean, I, I had my first meeting with um, my foot joy sales rep, and we already did our pre-book buying for the spring of 2021. So, you know, we're already looking into uh, next year in terms of of what's going to happen, and um, you know, buying for the shop, and and I'm starting to think about you know staffing for next year, and. About another month, we'll start thinking about the budget for next year. And, you know, there's so many integral parts to what a golfing season, and it's, you know, there's no seam to it. it, it you know what I mean? It doesn't start and it doesn't stop per se because you're you're always, you know, either finishing this season or, or doing something here, and then you're, you're overlapping and beginning next season so that you have all your pieces in place to uh, to get rolling. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, online tee times now, um, rolling that. Um, out and I'm not sure exactly. I have a training uh, session tomorrow with with the company that's talking to us about how to administer that, and you know ultimately we'll we'll figure out how to execute um, from our end and uh, the technology and 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 how all that's going to work. So there's there's so many there's so many key parts. But but Tommy, to answer your question, I mean this is this is primary season uh, in terms of grass growing and and uh, the moderate temperatures in the middle portion of the day where it's a little cooler but still nice. Um, no real tournaments to speak of. I mean, all of your club championships and, and kind of major things have been decided at this point. So, you know, most of our members are just kind of, you know, playing to have a little bit of fun and get some exercise and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of wrap up the, the, the season here for another couple months. And, you know, we'll, we'll start, um, uh, let's see, in about another month, I'll, I'll get fit for uh, the brand new uh, driver and, and fairway woods from Titleist. They're going to rule out their TSI. Uh, line for probably early spring and as a staff member they'll will give me a preview of that and, and fit me for the driver and, and probably one of their fairway woods so you'll see some new technology come out from companies and I think they, I think um, Callaway has a new driver uh, that's coming out and they'll start gearing towards PGA show and, and the, the release of these certain mm-hmm. things to get their seasons uh, fiscally started uh, on the right you know on the right foot so 
you know, it's it's perpetual for sure. Roger, uh, I'll tell you this: at ninety-eight, ninety-eight, they're going into overtime with the Celtics and Raptors, and uh, uh, you're up, Roger. Well, I'll tell you, Doug, I learned a lot about uh, what goes into your uh, your job description. I mean, I you know mm-hmm. I, I was aware of it, and uh, but it's hard to believe that uh, here we are in September, and mm-hmm. it can be a great time for golf. But look at uh, your – you've got a lot of things going on for the uh, mm-hmm. next golfing season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still trying to sell some wooden shafts from the 30s. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and McGregor, <laughs> so if you know anybody that to buy my uh, father's old uh, wooden shaft club, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to look in the cell. Right. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I, I know, you know, there's uh, – Generally speaking, there's a market out there for everything, Roger. I mean, uh, um, I can tell you that um, during the course of time, uh, as I was, you know, kind of cleaning out my house that was for sale and sold ultimately, um, you know, gosh, I, I, I spent some time on, on uh, eBay and I found some other various sites that were um, welcoming, you know, different uh, technology things that you could you could sell or you know, old uh, CDs and books and, and video games and God knows. I mean, I took a bunch of stuff to uh, to an auction uh, house that uh, that uh, took care of that process for me. So, you know, my mom and dad were, were very integral in uh, in helping me kind of. Uh, we got a dumpster in there and and uh, eliminated a bunch of old furniture and, and some different things. So, um, there's a market out there for pretty much everything. You just gotta you gotta find the right people and. Um, I know that there was a an auction house, uh, like I said, near near where I used to live, and I think every Friday night they would they would group certain things together. and And the lady had made mention because I had taken some, um, I wouldn't say sports mem- memorabilia, but in that kind of you know family, if you will. And and uh, and so those old golf clubs. I mean, you know, it's it's worth what it's worth to to somebody who's willing to pay uh, something for them. So, um, you know, that that might be an option for you. Um, to go that route. I don't know if there's, you know, anything uh, that you can, you can search on the internet that would suggest that there's a, a market for that or, or some version of site that, uh, that buys, sells, trades, et cetera, those sorts of, you know, kind of memorabilia things. So, but th- th- there's something out there for sure. Well, you know, well, Tampa Bay side one, one and uh, Roger, are those, are those golf clubs persimmon wood? Are they what? Are they persimmon wood? <laughs> Uh, I have no idea, Don. All I know is they. Uh, all I all I know is that they they are McGregor's, and I had and, and my father uh, probably stopped playing golf in the uh, in the late 30s because that's when he went uh, uh, because uh, of uh, D Day. He uh, went back in the army. It got his commission, and uh, and I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, when he was down at Officer Candidate School. So uh, what, I, I just know that uh, you know they go back. I mean, I have some other clubs, and I and uh, but I I'm I'm listen. I'll tell you what's tough is to get rid of books because I've got so many books, and uh, one of them that uh, I just uh, donated. I donated about twenty five. There's a lot more to mm-hmm. go uh, to. Uh, it's called Green Drop, and uh, they're in the uh, Philadelphia area. I don't know if they're in Baltimore or not, uh, Doug, but. 
um, they give you a choice of the American Red Cross uh, mm-hmm. or um, the um, a Purple Heart uh, or the um, the uh, uh, Blind Foundation, Blind Organization. Mm-hmm. So they give you a choice, mm-hmm. and I took a whole bag right. of them uh, and dumped them. But I have given a lot of shirts and and uh, things that I know I'll never wear again. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, like I had done, I had the, one of the books, the uh, one that uh, on Wilt. Uh, with the big uh, print, because there were a lot of books on Wilt, and there was really? no uh, no market, no market for that. Hmm. I went on eBay, and they had the book, you know, and they showed a picture of it. But you're talking about uh, seven bucks now. I also found right. that I had the big red machine book of the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Reds from back in right. in the seventies. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to put that on eBay, and uh, it's it's going for like fifteen dollars. So, you know, but is it it worth going through all that, you know? Well, Roger, I I used a site, or actually it was an app, and it was called Declutter, I think, D-E-C-L-U-T-T-R. And so Mm -hmm. what it is, you open this this app, and you use your uh, smartphone, and you scan the barcode um, Mm -hmm. on the book, and it it tells you um, if they'll accept the book or not um, and what they'll give you for it. And then ultimately, if you agree to sell whatever, there's a certain amount you have to get to, and then they'll give you, um, they'll send you a shipping label. You throw it in a box, you put the label on it, and off it goes. And then they, they dump the money into your PayPal account, which was nice. That was a good yeah, way to get rid of like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, what's well, it called? Declutter. Uh, it was yeah, declutter. D e c l u t t r, and they they buy okay. like um, it was books. Um, I think CDs, records, um, just mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff they had a, a market for that was on there. So, so yeah. Thank and you. And I'll tell you, you, my son-in-law just told me, in fact, over the weekend, which I was totally unfamiliar with, there's one, uh, only one company that, that they'll come and pick the books up. Uh, you don't sell them, but uh, he gives all his books. To, I just can't remember who it is. I'll, I'll give you the name and the number, Roger. If you just want to get rid of them, why? Yeah, something they'll it's a service organization, military, and uh, well, they pick all the books up. Don't charge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what uh, Green Drop, uh, you know, will um, will come and uh, and pick up too, Don, because I have some, you know, big things, but like you know, pictures that uh, are just right, in the right. basement that I'm never going to mm-hmm. I'm never going to use, and they will mm-hmm. pick up the uh, large things and. But I, I was over uh, getting the car inspected, and it was right on the way. So I just dropped it off, and I've, I've gone by there before. You're familiar with it. It's right on 320 in Broomall. Mm-hmm. I well, know Tommy and, uh, and, and Frank, you know where it is. Lawrence yeah. Park Shopping Center. Oh, my God. There used to be Bourne Alley up there. That's right, right on State Road. On our, yeah, on uh, 320. Yep. That's right, 320, Don. You should get past the Cardinal Howard, and you had Scotty's Hamburgers in that hey, plaza there. And hey, listen, and... I just talked about Scotty's Hamburgers the other day. You no, remember it, here. Frank? You remember it? We used to hang yeah, out at Hoopman. It's Scotty. Yeah, the other one was <laughs> uh, Mainline, Mainline Deli was there. Mainline Deli, right, right, right by the uh, Lamb Tavern. Right. Right, Lamb Tavern is a good place up there. 
Remember the Bazaar of All Nations down there? Oh, yeah, right, the Bazaar of All Nations. Oh, Trace. Oh, the good old days. Hey, you're slumming it, Tommy. You're slumming it, Tommy. <laughs> then we had hey, listen, that's pretty, Tommy, that's pretty there. good. I didn't think you'd remember that much. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he had... Yeah, but there's an the essential the... theme to that whole thing, Tom, or Don. It was food. Tommy can remember food. <laughs> right. Right. Charlie Sandburgers on 420. Remember Charlie Sandburgers? Charlie Sandburgers. Yeah. Right by Baltimore Pike on 420. Right. Yeah. Then, then the first. How about Gino's up there? Yeah, Gino's. Gino's fried chicken and Gino Giant. <laughs> Everybody oh goes to Gino's. Gino's. <laughs> <laughs> Gino Marchetti and oh. Alan Amici, Doug. They oh, started. Oh, you know those guys. They started them, yes. Two Baltimore guys, right? That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But you know, it's just been yeah, it's been a fun, it's been a crazy summer of sports, guys. Now we're going to get into some watching some good sports right now for this weekend: NFL mm-hmm. football, college football. Frank, your Notre yep. Dame's. I hope they can win. And yes, sir. And I have to go to. I have to go watch the Eagles game somewhere over the rainbow. Hopefully, I'll watch that. I see where the uh, I see where the ACC too is uh, proposing that uh, all teams will go to the uh, to the tournament now, not just uh, you know Ooh. as it has been elimination. All they haven't pr- approved it yet, but they uh, proposed mm. it today. I think that all teams in the ACC would go to the basketball tournament rather than just well, the selecting ones. That's a great thing for the NCAA to do such a thing that, that way. And that. So uh, I remember Doug, with Doug, I, I got a funny Doug story for you, right? Mm-hmm. Don, you know where Springfield Country Club is, Roger and Frank, you yeah. know where that is, right? Yeah, I've been there. tries up the fairway, she sees a ball bouncing, it's ball bouncing on the, on, on the road. She picks it up and said, where'd you get this ball? Oh, some guy hit it, he hit it down the road. Well, you're not supposed to do this. Was it supposed to get that get all that to the guy? But now it's gonna be a I I've hit a few down a few roads. <laughs> <laughs> I have two, Don. <laughs> I have two. <laughs> I too, too many too many times down the road up there. But now it's a it's a great season. It's a great season right now. World Series coming up. College football, NFL starts up and Right now, Lightning still one one tie up in against the Islanders up in um, um, Edmonton to play that run round tournament. Next game for the Lightning will be Friday at eight o'clock face off. So eleven twenty two to go in the second period. Yeah, who do the oh, Bucks play on uh, Sunday? New Orleans. Uh, I, I New Orleans. Saints. Okay, so New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, that's right. They play the Saints. Right. That'll be interesting. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question before we run out of time. In that game, the the Saints (laughs) against the Bucks. what do you think the two quarterbacks are making? Forget everybody else. Just the two quarterbacks in that game. Mm. Uh, $60 million. (laughs) Unbelievable. I don't know this. I don't have the number written written down, but it's way more than anybody else in the world. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I know. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be between fifty and sixty million, right? Oh, I would say absolutely. Oh yes. 
Thank you, Sick Tick Tick Tock Tick Tock here, guys. We got a, a great show. Thank you for coming on, Doug. It's always a pleasure. Of course. Mr. Henderson, as always. Doug, have a great a pleasure, day. Mr. Take care. Yeah, man. Take care, Thank Frank. You guys. Another great job. Take Doug, take care. As take always, care, Tommy, care, Frank, Roger. great job. Appreciate all your uh, your work during the week. It was great to have uh, Derek on and TL, and uh, hopefully yes. we'll have Derek back on again. He was happy to be on. I uh, text him, and I, I'd like to Good. find out more about his career, you know, because he he's covered a, a number of teams in the NFL. Right. And, I'll tell you, you know, as they, Frank and Tommy and Don, as they say, one door closes, another door opens up. Yep. And, uh, oh, be you know, and, mm-hmm. and he's a great guy. So God bless. Have a great week. Have okay. a great week, everybody. Yes, Thanks for coming on. I think Rick Cummings and Quizzo Legends, Don Henderson, Roger Hendler, and most important of it is, is Mr. Frank Carrollsman and the dials behind, behind the, behind the uh, engineering room. So, Frank, from my family, your family, please be safe this weekend. Go Irish, go Eagles, not the Bucks. Frank, good night and have a good evening. Have a good time, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the women, police, men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please take a moment to say uh, hello, wink, quit them, anything you want. These are very, very tough times for anybody in uniform at this point in time. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogo, Longwood Cape Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. <clears throat> Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cobbler, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Delaware State Trooper Sergeant Rodney Bond, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Special FDLE Special Investigator uh, Vinny Galachu, Delaware State Trooper uh, Corporal Stephen Boward, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee um, Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerber, Clay County Sheriff's Department, De- Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Nat- <clears throat> April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-10 at this point in time, 10-7 at this point in time, sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise out to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night and God bless. Shem Alek Ma Yilama Shem
بریم بعد